and welcome to Ribbon of Memes, episode... Oh, uh, 70. 60, 70, flipping, heck, our, um, our septenary, or whatever you say, for 70. Um, Diamond Jubilee? Anyway, this is a podcast where we interrogate films previously described as masterpieces by other professionals. And I am the stoic... Uh, steely professional bomb disposal expert of the squad, and I am joined as ever by the Maverick, uh, death wisher like Roger. If I get played by Robin Williams, I'm resigning. <laughs> we might see if we can stretch to Jeremy Renner for this one. Um, we are discussing, um, 2000 and slightly controversially 2008. Yeah, um, the, the, it was released in 2008 uh, at festivals and things. It didn't get a wide release till 2009. Okay. We're officially calling it 2008, are we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, we're returning to a Catherine Bigelow film uh, of her since Strange Days. And we are discussing The Hurt Locker, a tale of um, bomb disposal experts during the uh, the Second Gulf War. Well, and the aftermath of it, because mm. the actual Gulf War didn't last all that long. Um, well, there we are. So, we, we're back with Catherine Bigelow. We both liked Strange Days quite a lot. Um, she had done quite a lot since then, I believe. Um, but this is yeah. a... She, she's... We'll come back to this, but... Um... She's ha- had a career that, for most directors, would be okay. I'm going to do something else now, and for her, it's just yeah, I'm going to do more. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's um... so uh, <laughs> s- since Strange Days, uh, Undertow, which I haven't seen. That's uh, basically TV thriller. Uh, the Weight of yes. Water, mystery thriller. Oh yes, I've heard of it. K19, The Widowmaker, a very manly film about very manly men. Yes. And this, also very manly uh, uh, film. Very manly man. film about manly men. Um, yes, so this is a, uh, a, well, a look behind the scenes at a, um, a bomb squad. Um, I can't remember what the official term is for them. EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. There we go. That's what I was trying to remember, yes. Uh, there's a lot of military jargon, uh, which largely passes me by, but I do appreciate, including the name of the film, The Hurt Locker, which is a description uh, for when you get basically sent um, uh, sent to uh, medical, but sent off from medical. Uh, I can't remember the term of that. Maybe the hurt locker is a better word for it. When you're a casualty and you are removed from the front line, um, a blighty one, old chap. <laughs> a blighty, a blighty wound. Um, yeah. So it's a uh, a very kind of. Uh, modern take on war films, because this is not really, it's, um, uh, I always forget the term of this, epistolary, is that right? It, it's very much, uh, epistolary? I, I don't know, what do you mean? I mean that it's a series of episodes rather than a long, um, Episodic overarching then. narrative episode okay <laughs> a series I, of things I, I, that I happen think, i think there are three themes but I, I agree it is basically vignette then another vignette then another vignette rather than a continuing story there, yes there are a la, gaps in it a la apocalypse now i guess where we uh, except uh, insofar as the overarching plot theme is it is we are getting to the end of the tour of duty there isn't really a, a, a driving point except uh, Except that makes it sound much more episodic than it is, because really what ties it all together is the personalities and the journey that the characters are going through. Mm. So it doesn't, it doesn't really feel episodic in that way because the, the external plot, uh, doesn't feel like the important thing in the film. So consequently it doesn't feel vaguely disappointing to me in the way that a lot of more episodic films are. Yeah. I, I, I don't. Yeah, we, we are clearly missing stuff, but I don't feel that it is necessarily important stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's it's not a film that um, sort of uh, over-explains the you know the small thing. We, we're often going from tense situation to tense situation without um, a huge amount of uh, guff in the middle, <laughs> which I do um, appreciate. I mean, we focus on this this three man squad. We've um, got. Uh, the new sergeant, William James, 
Um, we have uh, Sergeant Sanborn, um, and we have Specialist uh, Eldridge, yeah. Owen Eldridge, um, uh, played uh, respectively by Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackey, and uh, Brian Garrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I mean, the so it starts actually with why um, Mackey, uh, sorry, why James arrives in the first place, and that is we see the the death of his uh, predecessor. Sergeant or something Thompson. played by Guy Pierce. Sergeant Thompson played by Guy Pierce um briefly. And I, I think it's worth saying that he doesn't die because he screws up. He dies because well, sometimes you die. Yeah, he's very they're a very careful, clearly well honed squad, um and yeah, uh, unfortunately something goes wrong, they're all aware of the danger and how dangerous it is. It turns out this time it was too dangerous and um Despite his uh, huge uh, explosive suits, it's not enough to save him when the IED goes off very close behind him. Yeah, a thing that a, a little detail that I puts me in a, in a good mood for the whole rest of the film. Right. Okay. Um, you 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 see this from the perspective of the rest of the guys back at back at the Humvee. So he's facing towards you because he's retreating from the bomb as it goes off, and you see yes. the blood splat on the inside of his helmet from the overpressure. Yes, yes it, it was. Um, it's, it's that's quite... the sort of detail we're putting in here. Yes, and it feels. I mean, it's it's not over-explained. They don't say, "Oh my God, he's dead" or anything. It's just it's quite clear from the way he's filmed and the way it's done, and basically there. Uh, their reactions almost before it happens. You're you're well aware of the um, the stakes here. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's a it's an old Hitchcock Hitchcock quote about the difference between surprise and suspense. And surprise is um, uh, there's some actors having a discussion over a table, and then a bomb goes off, and everyone's surprised for 15 seconds. Or you could let the audience know for 15 minutes before that that there's a bomb under the table mm-hmm. um, and it's going to go off at one o'clock and then you get 15 minutes of suspense instead of the 15 <laughs> seconds of surprise. Yeah. Um, and this is basically that film. <laughs> the whole film is is uh, almost that taken literally. We know there are bombs, we know they're about to go off and we know the, the suspense uh, for it. Um, there are some deviations from that. I mean, that forms... Well, it's interesting, because quite often that, that sort of level of suspense, that sort of sustained suspense, is something I find quite hard to watch, whereas this time yes. I didn't. I think perhaps because I knew that, you know, sooner or... I don't know whether the guy's going to live or die. I haven't, I haven't read the synopsis of the film. Mm. But sooner or later something is going to go boom, because things go boom. Well, exactly. It's, uh, it's just occurred to me... Um... <laughs> that you said what put you in a good mood for the rest of the film was having the guy's head explode inside his suit. Yeah, but, but, but I, I do but take it, your point. It's, it's, it says this is not a 28 weeks later where we have, you know, watched some Vietnam films and think we know how the military works. This is we talked exactly, to yes. actual people who did the actual job. Yes, it was certainly enough uh, to convince me, who has very little working knowledge of the military, that they had spent an awful lot of time uh, as indeed they did, um, talking to veterans and spending time with veterans. Um, mm. uh, but yes, I agree with you that there's, you could think, oh my God, a two hour long film about whether or not a bomb is going to explode. Uh, it sounds pretty wearing on the suspense. So, on, the, on the one hand, it keeps sort of slightly changing the stakes and upping the stakes. Um, sometimes the bomb does go off, sometimes it doesn't. Um, Sometimes it's not a bomb at all. Um, Sometimes you just ha- don't know what was going on, and you never exactly, will know yeah. what's going on because it, it, it's a great big situation, and you are just one tiny part of it. And what I what I did like about this film as well is that we we're always with that three man squad, and we kind of know exactly what they know in some ways. And it's not it's not over explained, but we if it's a bomb that could go off here, they make it very clear. If they don't understand what's happening, we make it very clear. Then if they're confused or lost or scared, we're in there with them. It's it's hmm. it's well done in that regard. That uh, I, I think it also helps that the three principals were not particularly well known. I mean, Renner was the best known, but even he was not a big star at this point. Uh, so well, that there isn't that, you know, oh, well, you know, this, this guy's being played by X. Obviously, he's going to be the hero and he's going to live through it. Or... Well, I suppose in a way it stakes that claim because possibly the biggest star in it is Guy Pierce, who um, is off within the first few minutes <laughs> yeah, of the well, film. I, I didn't recognise him, but yeah. 
so, well, yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting... I, I wondered if that was a bit of a statement of intent. Um, though I don't know how big he was. I think he probably was. He'd been in LA Confidential and... Um, Memento and uh, and neighbours, of course. <laughs> so he was an enormous star. Um, yeah. Uh, so, well, the three principles. Yeah, Jeremy Renner. We uh, we talked not very long ago. Um, in twenty eight weeks later, playing a, a a similar. Well, I thought going in this was basically a, the same sort of part, but he's obviously a very different character. He's much well, more maverick. He, um, his look is a lot younger, sort of as if he's been more crudely sculpted. Van in twenty eight weeks. I mean, that that's yes. obviously partly the filming and partly makeup and all the rest of it. But yes, yeah, he he does not look like the guy the way he's, he clearly is in twenty eight weeks. He's a, no, I agree. One of the guys. Yes, uh, superficially he's. Uh, uh, well, I suppose he is the the main. Uh, it's hard to call them protagonists when they're kind of buffeted around by external factors so much. But he's like the main the main character, but only. Only by a hair's breadth, really. He's the one we follow after the war a little bit. Um, well, after the tour, at least. After the tour, yes. Sorry, there's, there's uh, the he, duration he was cast is much longer. Than the war. Based on playing Jeffrey Dahmer in a film about that serial killer, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is interesting. I mean, he's not. Uh, uh, well, based on his work doing it, not necessarily based on the same sort of character. Um, but all the principal characters, they're, they're very well. They're very well acted. I mean, um, Anthony Mackie is the more kind of professional. Yeah, he, uh, re- it, the straight man is is the non-sung role, but my word, he's yeah. good here. He is really good. He's 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 pissed, but he's trying to be professional about pissed in the American sense. I should say, um, he's mm-hmm. trying to be professional about it. He's angry that he's being put into danger by this this maverick. He's still angry at the loss of his friend, presumably. He's scared. Um, and they, he just he does it really well. But the job's got to be done, so you do the job. Yeah, exactly. And, and then we have a, a slightly slightly smaller role um, uh, as uh, for Eldridge. Uh, um, who I've forgotten his name Brian, again. Brian uh, Garrity. Brian Garrity uh, again, very good. Um, he's uh, I, I think he suffers a bit by the strength of the other two protagonists in that he's, he's sort of more the third wheel in a way. Mm. Um, and does uh, disappear. Well, not quite halfway through, he gets shot by um, uh, <laughs> by his boss. Um, I, I will. I'm not sure. I mean, these are military men, right? And they've had basic military training. But but in that particular scene, you know, their boss says, their their sergeant says, "Let's split up. We can cover more ground that way." I don't know if if you wouldn't say what. I, I, it just felt incredibly reckless. Yeah, even and for a... that whole thing about let's go out alone, and it is canonically the case, and I'm pretty sure this is part of uh, army training in the US, it certainly is in the UK, that the difference between a bunch of warriors and an army is that you yeah. support each other, you work together, you don't just go off and say, I want that bit of glory, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this now. Yes, and, uh, and to me, I suppose, as not a military man, they felt like pretty glaring mistakes, which I suspect were pretty unrealistic, at least in the setup. Like, I don't think they would have split up in that way. Similarly, you know, the desert shootout, which is a fantastic um, set piece, um, where we have our old friend, um, uh, <laughs> the English patient, cropping up very briefly as a mercenary leader. Yeah, I, think it's a great, I, I, a great... I saw that and I thought, hang on, isn't that... Yeah, and then of course, yeah, yeah. You you have a guy uh, having shenanigans in the doing shenanigans in the desert. Obviously, you have to have Ralph Fiennes because exactly, yeah. exactly. It was it was a great little role, and again, a bit like Guy Pearce. I, I was saying actually, Guy Pearce is the most famous. He's probably Ray Fiennes here, but um, again, doesn't last too long. He's very he's kind of stereotypically British. Um, well, it's, it's but, interesting again because in, in many films he would be the guy the film is about, you know, the the uh, maverick hero, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, we're we're this mercenary team of hunters, but no, they just. But again, the setup for that was basically we've kind of gone off on our own in the desert. We don't have any support, um, and it just that felt a little unrealistic to me. I'll, I'll get those out of the way because the well, worst some, some some of the private operators were on that sort of scale. 
I, I mean our three-man disposal, oh, right, right, disposal right, yeah. team, that them being out there on their own. I, I absolutely agree that you know we could have had the Mercs out there. And but... there, there probably were incidents where that sort of scale of thing happened, but they wouldn't have been planned. They would have been, you know, holy crap, we've got lost or something like that. Rather than... uh, yeah, yeah, it, it felt. Uh, I, I'll, yeah, I'm only outlining those setups uh, in both ways. Um, I'm not complaining because they both led to great. Uh, Set pieces, really. The mm. desert shootout, I thought, was amazing. It was really, mm. um, again, for for a film that's about bomb disposal and suspense, it was. It still managed to be the same sort of scene, rather than a adrenaline fueled shootout. It became another sort of patience and suspense and take your time. We got to do this right kind of thing. Um, and they made what I really appreciate about that scene. You know, they made mistakes. They hadn't. Uh, they uh, they used the gun incorrectly, but they didn't. They weren't like fuck. I, 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 I They were just like, all right, okay, deal with it, fix it, move on, mm-hmm. re-aim, aim up, and it just. You, you can have it, a big self-criticism session in the debrief afterwards, but at the time, you just do the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, and and the film is full of that sort of thing where the. It's not that they're supermen, it's not that they get everything right, they get a lot of things wrong, but the way they deal with it is... And even, you know, the maverick uh, uh, Sergeant James. Um, and, and again, I start to wonder if he's... I, I think he probably has exaggerated his degree of kind of cowboyism. I, I don't think you probably get to that level <laughs> in an explosives team uh, without being probably more professional than he was but I, I don't know um, I know they're all based in some part on real characters but I suspect there was some exaggeration yeah and I did find myself being reminded of Good Morning Vietnam because the, the whole you know here is the maverick who who's yeah. in country and has to do the thing and whatever um, but I just felt this worked an awful lot better well, that, I, 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 I agree I, it's exaggerated, but it wasn't so much a parody that I just found myself saying, no, no, this couldn't possibly happen. Well, there's exaggeration and then there's Robin Williams, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I agree. My heart sank slightly when I realised it was, um, that it was a tale of like a maverick squad, a maverick guy and his squad trying to rein him in. Because I suppose fundamentally that is the, the base tale. But, but it's not, um, you know, Maverick brushes up against the military and they, they win and they force him out. Or he wins because he maintains his integrity. None, neither of those things is really true. Yeah. So. Well, that it kind of sub, it's, it's a sort of cliched setup that we have seen exactly as Good Morning Vietnam, as you say. But it doesn't then follow any of the cliches. His, his team are pissed off with him. And never really develop the grudging respect for him that you get in other films. You know, they st- they remain pissed off right till the end. Mm. In fact, there's a great scene um, when they're in... Uh, but, so there's the scene where we have the guy who has all the explosives strapped to him and uh, uh, the, the sergeant is basically trying to very quickly get all the locks off, fails, leaves him, um, and he, he blows up. Um, and then in the car on the way back, that, that's basically what breaks um, Sanborn, um, who decides he's going to leave and have children. And the, I, in another film, that would have been the time when suddenly um, the the staff sergeant uh, James would have then unloaded all the reasons why he was like this, why he was an adrenaline mm-hmm. junkie. But instead, we get the "Do you know I'm like this? Why I'm like this?" And Sanborn says, "No, I don't." And that's it's just left there, really. No, yeah. he just is that kind of character. And I, I thought that was different to how a lot of films would have approached it, um, but very good regardless. Yeah, and there, there were... Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm not any sort of EOD expert. There were a couple of things that did leap out to me. One is, okay. where are your non-sparking cutters? You were using a standard Leatherman, which is steel, <laughs> okay. steel blades. Right, you use yes. copper blades. They wear out fast. You replace them, you know, every every week or two. But they do not generate sparks when you cut, whereas steel blades will. Particularly when you uh, cut through, for example, gunpowder. Uh, uh, for obvious reasons. And, I, I, I have personal experience with this with fireworks. Um, okay. The, the other thing that really struck me is when they're searching the bomb factory, you know, the whole... Um, yes. End, end up with the body the bomb. The body bomb thing, yep. Casually flipping back the mattresses. I mean, one of the very first things you learn in booby trap school is you can put a, a tripwire under a mattress. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yes. So I, I would have liked to see a bit more care in that because he is well, obviously I... a guy who would know that. 
and the, so instead of saying he's doing it wrong, what that did for me was shove me out of suspension and immersion and say, yeah, you're watching a film here, which most of the rest of it doesn't. Well, that is, I think in a way, those little moments, um, I picked up the blanket thing. I was, I wouldn't, I, I didn't notice the copper smell. Um, cause yeah, in, in other moments, like in the film, it's clear that the other characters like, what are you doing? Um, but here it, it, it's not made clear that he's making a mistake. I think the reason that is more of a problem here is because it just doesn't do that in the rest of the film. It doesn't feel to us who aren't military explosive experts. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel like it puts many feet wrong there. And the, uh, so, yeah, when it does, it's a bit more glaring, like the let's split up. Um, I mean, yeah. my experience is I play a lot of role playing games and you very rarely split the party in now. <laughs> <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, yeah, I mean, th- things that do work, you know, the, the, the casual joking that is typical of actual people in that kind of dangerous job. Yeah, that, that's very, yes. not, very well observed. And it's yes. the sort of thing that an outsider doesn't really get. And when, when they get their, um, Lieutenant Colonel riding along with them, he doesn't get it. And, yes. and so on. You know, that, that, that's nicely done. It's yes. also, for me, really good to see a modern military film that isn't all about PTSD. Well, this is interesting. This is a film, you know, it starts with the quote that I started the podcast with, that war is a drug. Um, and it is a film, and again, it's not unexplored territory, but I think it does it really well here, that this is a film that makes it clear there are things to enjoy, um, and you don't have to be a, you know, a, a psychotic sadist to enjoy parts of war. Just the, mm-hmm. the feeling of, um, intensity and worthiness and working in a, a sort of focused team like that a very clearly what drives um, uh, Sergeant James um, to the point where he, he can't cope with civilian life and, and again that's a bit of a cliche thing but the reason he can't cope with civilian life is it's not exciting enough um, and it's not focused enough and he doesn't feel worthy mm. enough. And it, it, it's not the classic thing of, you know, I'm in the supermarket and all gets too much of me and I find myself taking cover behind the baked beans. <laughs> yes, no, it's just like, this is boring. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought there was a nice... Uh, and what I also liked about it, though, is we have different reactions from all three of our characters, really. Mm. Um, uh, you know, when Eldritch is um, is flown off, he's incredibly pissed off you know there's no kind of grudging respect for James he's like you shot him through the leg and shattered his femur in so many places um, so he's very angry with him mm. uh, and um, Sanborn just just hates it and he clearly does not have the kind of personality that enjoys it even though he's very good at it and then we have James who almost hates himself for loving it but does love it yeah and I- I, I think he genuinely expects that when he gets back, uh, he will be able to go back. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's expecting to become a civilian again and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, and it's only once he tries doing that that he's realising, oh, yeah, the, the, this really isn't working. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, it, I haven't seen many films, yes, as you say, that explore it from the... You get the kind of, um, like, uh, I think he's Bunny in Platoon, who's basically just a sadist and... and wants to hurt and that kind of personality is fine um in, in war but it, it's actually I a complete pain if you want discipline but yeah <laughs> exactly yeah that's the kind of person that probably gets shot in the back quite quickly but here we have someone well as i say it just sort of misses the intensity and the focus of it um and i i suppose you want to say adrenaline junkie but it's not quite it's not exactly that but it's definitely an allied thing yeah it's, it's in that ballpark isn't it it's not the kind of well, I, I think the film, the, maybe we're expressing it difficultly because the, the film does a good way of showing why it's enjoyable, um, but hard to explain why. And even, I think, Sergeant James doesn't quite explain why he enjoys it so much. Um, I, I don't think he, he knows. I mean, none, none of these yeah. is a, you know, introspective or even a particularly well-read person. Mm. They, they they have these feelings and they try to understand them, but they they are not really equipped to do that. They're not equipped yes. to think about yeah why why am I feeling this way, what makes me feel this way, how do I do something about it? And so they, yeah, it just not not part of their mental life. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It's just these are the people they are. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, they, they may well be trying to work, work things out, but fundamentally it's, well, you know, it feels, it feels bad when I stop doing this, so I'm going to start doing it again. <laughs> yes. Well, we have almost, uh, the tail end of a, not quite a therapy session, but with Eldridge is, is talking to the staff. Uh, is the lieutenant who's a sort of a psychologist doctor, but he is a psychiatrist, is he? I'm not sure. I, I um, think so. Uh, but it, it's, as you say, it's very clear then that these are not the sort of people who are keen on exploring their feelings and talking them out. They just, uh, they don't find or think that's a useful thing to do. Yeah. It, it, yeah some of it, some of it's culture, some of it's, yeah. Well, I guess we haven't talked, so we've been focusing on the, the story and the characters because, uh, I think it's fair to say we both found them both compelling even though there's relatively little story but that uh, for film these are quite uh interestingly complicated characters you know we often have very cliched one-dimensional two-dimensional characters and these although it's not heavily explored they f- they just feel more real than a lot of filmic characters i think mm. it, yeah ra- rather than i i am the guy who hates people with red hair or yeah, yeah. whatever <laughs> i am a woman um uh, yeah even oh, the maverick dangerously subtle characterization there <laughs> yeah sorry it was a bit too much um but we haven't talked much about the uh the cinematography or the, mm. the appear the visual appeal of the film well i i think as we were saying with 28 days and weeks um this this is the cnn inspired Shaky yes. camera all, all the time. I, I do think it's sometimes a bit too close up for actually pausing the scene. Uh, this, this is my one yes. real, real argument with the cinematography here. But it does make sense in terms of, you know, there, there is no, there is in the real situation no way you, where you could put a nice solid camera mount. It, it makes sense that it's going to be a bit improvised. A bit. A bit, not, yeah, it not, felt... quite, not quite the, it's not just the shaky, it's not quite the right angle to see what you want to see from. Yes, it felt sort of appropriate. I, and, um, I found it less irritating here than we found it in the 28 dot 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 films because, uh, there wasn't necessarily a need for it in those films. I, I think here it added to the, it's very much going for a sort of documentary style, really. And it, and it added to it, mm. even I, though. I, th- I think as, as we sort of mentioned in passing, it is based on articles by Mark Boll, who was embedded for two weeks with a bomb squad. In, yes, in, uh, 2004, I think. Yes, so it, at least there's going to be some degree of, of realism to it. I, even though I appreciate that realism, as you say, um, there are times when it obscured quite what was happening. Particularly, I found in the um, when they split up and were running down the darkened streets scene. Well, they're all dressed in the same gear. It's dark, and I, I couldn't quite tell who was who. Um, mm, yeah, that, that dark section was just a bit too dark. Yes, and uh, yeah, uh, the other part of Hitchcock's quotes um, about suspense and surprise is uh, basically what he's saying there is always give the audience as much information as you can so they can be properly suspensed or or basically if you show them there's a bomb under the table they'll be much more they'll have a much more enjoyable experience. Well, if I know who's who and where's where and what's happening, I'll probably understand. As we've said many times before, we want to know what the stakes are going into an action scene and then what's actually happening in the action scene rather than trying to work it out later. But I do think it's more excusable here in in the fact that it's trying to capture the fog of war a little bit, um, mm. I think. Well, I, actually... I, I did find myself being reminded of Platoon. Yes. Where you had that quite innovative technique for the time of we're not going to show... I'm standing here shooting at that guy over there. It's, it's just a close-up on me, and danger is happening all around me, and I can't do anything about it. I can't even see where the bullets are coming from, but, yes. I'm, but I'm going to fire back a bit. That, that's yeah, that was very yeah. Effective. I agree. We we kind of excused it in platoon. No, excuse. It was a deliberate technique there. I I, I just. I felt for things like a zombie film that's less, <laughs> less um, <laughs> sorry, not a zombie film, an infected film. Um, I yeah, did like 28 it, Days Later. We this this did movie. occasionally irk me, but I thought overall that the, the filming style worked very well, so. Well, for the most part, I mean, this was, this was basically. It, it, it's also quite small budget for, for the, the scope and so it, it doesn't feel like a small budget film to me. No, it doesn't. Yeah, so. Uh, but I suppose. It was made, made I, for I was... 15 mil. Including uh, location filming in Jordan, so. Of course, that must have been um, 
Bearing heart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the actors afterwards said, "Well, yeah, but you you can't fake looking that hot in a studio." So. Yeah, they looked pretty hot. That that kind of dry heat as well. So you can't. Um, yeah, it was. Um, and then you really understood what it meant to get into that uh, that fragging suit that they had to wear. Um, that uh, I think there's a point where he says, "Look, there's enough stuff here to blow us all to Jesus." So I'm going to go out comfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but the yeah, so we have a lot of this shaky cam stuff. It felt more appropriate here. Um, Yes, I'm sorry, we were just talking about it being a relatively cheap film. I suppose all the action sequences were quite, by Hollywood standards, they were quite small. I mean, this is, more than anything, this is an action film or a war film, but it, it's hard to sort of put in that pigeonhole because it doesn't feel quite, doesn't feel quite like that. It just feels like a, a war story, I suppose. Um, but it, it was a series of set pieces, mm. and all of them were actually quite small. There's very few people involved in almost all of them. Um, uh, so I can see, I suppose, why it was cheap, but I suppose that's a good lesson to Hollywood that you don't need to have the, or to Doctor Who particularly, you don't need to have all the Daleks <laughs> and the Cybermen and, uh, Davros turning up every time to up the stakes. You can have very high stakes with three people in a room. Another yeah. thing that Quentin Tarantino is very good at as well. Also, uh, uh, because there's a significant, uh, Iraqi refugee community in Jordan. A lot of those guys ended up as the extras, and you know some of them actually had acting experience. Um, Suhail Dabak uh, had a theatrical background, and he, he's the um, guy with the vest at the end. Oh, intro! He was he was great. Wasn't he? We haven't talked about. Well, that's the other thing that the film seems to get right is that um, I think you said it um, off off air that. Uh, they think they're the concrete, the, the sort of Victorian heroes. Mm. What there actually is is an occupying army. Yeah, and it, it's very obvious to us looking at it with a, with a relatively neutral viewpoint, or at least it was fairly obvious to me. My, my viewpoint is neutral because I, because I'm perfect. Uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. Uh, but you know, dri- driving past the parked tanks, and you know, maybe one day we're going to use these tanks for something, but we don't know what it's going to be for. Uh, yes. they're, they're never proactive. They're not, you know, go out and do a thing. They are wait for the phone call that there is a bomb. Go and deal with the bomb. Go home again. Yes. And the, yeah. the only time they are proactive is, tr- is trying to trace down that whole tanker thing, and it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. No. Um, but what, they, whatever they are... the losses, they don't actually achieve the goal. So. No, they're just firefighting. Um, sometimes, literally, really. Um, and but the the reaction from the uh, the natives, uh, sorry, that's a terrible way to put it, from, from the, uh, from the, the population, uh, the Iraqis, um, is understandable and mm. expert, not, it's not particularly judged or shown, it's just, um, again, this is another one of those films which shows you the American experience in a foreign place, um, but again, as, I, I don't want to criticise it for not being something that it isn't. I mean, that we have a lot of those films, but this feels like it has got something new to say about that experience. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me kind of perverse that out of three people none of them would have learnt any of the local languages, at least enough yes. to say get get back, this is going to go bang. But, yes. they, but they haven't and nobody thinks they should have. <laughs> yes, and uh, yes, exactly and, and basically their opinion... Uh, or of at least several of the squad was this is a shithole and I want to get out of here as soon as possible, even though one of the reasons it's a shithole is their presence. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not and, that it was great before, but... No, no, but it's... Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it feels right again, their attitude to the locals. Uh, and then we have the exploration of um, the interesting counterpoint with, um, with Renner's character... Um, is it Smith? I keep forgetting his name. What did they call him in the film? He had a nickname in the film. Uh, James. William uh, James, yeah. Uh, but um, he has this uh, weird affection for... Um, uh, well, not weird, but uh, this affection for this Iraqi boy selling DVDs, and it, it leads him off to this set piece with the body bomb. Um, that he'd, And it seems like he's trying to catch something is missing but it's still he leaves his own son behind to come back uh, mm. to come back on tour again and it doesn't have much to say about you know it's not a film that's particularly exploring family values or what it means to be a dad but it's, it just sort of adds another few levels there's no easy answers to that explanation it, it just and I appreciate that it, it, it raises questions of human nature and doesn't answer them because 
they're not really things with glib answers or easy answers. Yeah, and, 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 and narratives. F- film is not a good medium for complicated answers. I think. Yes. Yes, uh, I think Ribbon of Memes is certainly towards that. You've just reminded me that um, that that last scene with Beckham, you know, the, the Iraqi kid. Yes. So you know. Oh, yeah. So he's, for, first, you know, he's, he's made this basic friendship with him, buying his pirated DVDs and whatnot. Yes. Uh, he's he's thought crap. Like they they have killed him and made him into a body bomb, and I'm going to yes. fix this. I'm going to bring that damn body out. I'm not just going to you know have it blown up in place. Yes, and then he sees the kid. The kid is alive after all, and one's immediate th- immediate thought because there's a certain amount of sympathy. Is well, yay, great, but he cannot cope with that because he he has yeah. just done the incredibly dangerous thing for this kid, and the kid wasn't even there to to benefit from it. Yeah, it's so, he, inter- and, and so he's just walking past it. Forget it. No, not not. It's not there anymore. Yeah, and that felt like a. Both an inexplicable, strange reaction and a very human one that isn't explored again and isn't, you know, it's just, um, it felt true, didn't it? And Mm. and I think that's a lot of what this film gets right is that it just, it has a a, a feeling of truth to it that a lot of films, um, not all films are going for it, to be fair, um, but this one is trying to be the true experience in Iraq. Well, I don't don't know if it even is desperately trying to, but it, it feels that way. It doesn't sort of stake out like we are going to show you the truth in a way. It, it just it just kind of does, and I, I think yeah, the film it, is it, unshowy it, in a lot of ways like that. It, it doesn't come. It doesn't. I think particularly take a stance beyond the obvious on whether the invasion was a good thing. Uh, yes, it's just saying we're well, yeah, we're here, and this this is what we have got to do now. This is yeah. This is how it happened. I mean, in, um, in, the, in, a, in a very broad sense, well, obviously, if we hadn't invaded, we wouldn't be here. But <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, some of the, uh, I mean, I've talked a lot. About it. As I say, it was a film of, of various set pieces, and, and again, there weren't a lot of huge panning shots of the desert, particularly or establishing shots or anything like that. I mean, there were some visually impressive scenes, like the, well, the burning oil tanker and, and the soldiers sort of standing above it, um, looking down on it. That There were moments of, of visual splendour, I think. Uh, overall, it's it just uh, does what it needs to do. Um, mm. How did you feel this compared? Because this, our last film of Catherine Bigelow's rewatch was Strange Days. Um I, I would not have pinned these on the same director, honestly. <laughs> they, they're very different. And, and if I had not known who the stories. director was, um, then I don't suppose I would have assumed it was one of the very few female directors. No, but, absolutely. I mean, this is a very, as you say, a manly film about manly men. Um, okay, so but, th- there is, what well, I think, one named female character in it. Uh, Con- Connie, the wife, the ex-wife. Oh, yes, yes. Uh and this was actually a breakout role for her, for the actress, Evangeline Lilly. It was Evangeline Lilly, yes. Um, I saw her in um, Lost. Um, yeah, and that, that was what she was mostly known for at this point. Yeah. Uh, she, she'd yeah. had a, a few minor film roles. but uh, And then she was... I, I don't think it's particularly that it's an, a terribly impressive role. She, she does what she needs to do. Yeah. But yeah, all of a sudden... Get- Everybody watched this, so everybody saw her and thought, "Ah, oh, I'm going to cast her." <laughs> okay, yeah, so just, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. She doesn't get much chance to shine. Um, it is not a film about the the left behind uh, people. It's a story about the people who went. Um, I t- yeah, I I mean, we talked about Catherine Bigelow before, and there's a danger. Well, not a danger. If you're um, uh, a woman in a man's club. Sometimes the reactionaries become even more manly than the men. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if the, this film doesn't particularly do that either. It, it's not trying to be testosterone feel. It's not like Predator, for instance. You know, well, yeah, but but it's also not let us all get in touch with our feelings, which I think would be the stereotype. It's about people sort of avoiding getting in touch. Yeah, with it. They, it, it they, just, they, they either yeah. don't think of it or they realise they would be very bad at it and have a manly punch up instead. <laughs> that was an interesting scene again. That that was a slightly alienating scene for me because that was just the kind of people I've spent much of my life trying to avoid. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> um, and, me too. Um, so, but it, it felt true in itself. One, just, one of the I, many reasons I would do very, very badly in the military. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I yeah, I don't know many men like that, um, but it felt true in itself. Yeah, and I, I don't think the masculinity here is toxic particularly. It's no. not it's not driving them to be cruel. 
but there is still that well you know maybe I think there one one can reasonably read into this well you know maybe if we could express our feelings a bit better Yes, we 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 would we could do it with less high explosives on the stage. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I mean the mentality is more sort of survival mentality, and we just got to get through this, um, and that's the kind of. Uh, so we may not be seeing them in a typical situation, but um, and, and yeah, that scene with them punching each other is how they deal with their feelings. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't got much to add to that other than, yes, it feels true. So have we... I mean, I think it's fair to say we both very much enjoyed this film. I mean, I, hmm. I think I said to you off air, it, I think it's the best war film we have watched in Ribbon of Memes. And I, I think I stand mm, by I that. So. Like, yeah, I, I, I... Yeah, I haven't got many issues with it. I, I was surprised, though. I had a look um, on the Wikipedia page, and it did not get a great reaction from veterans um a lot of veterans felt that it was uh unrealistic in, in enough areas that it took them out of it and then if an actual um uh, eod squad behaved in that way uh they worried that it it, it made them look unprofessional um mm. and i i think and I, some of that may be uh i guess you'd call it a thin green line effect you know yes. so, somebody who who is in uh, the army may may well joke about those idiots over in that division with his mates, yeah. but to an outsider, he wants to say it is the army. It is great. I am part of it. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm not, I I'm not saying that they're, they're being deceptive here, but I'm, I, I think that that is an emotional pressure. Yes, I think that is that a make, fair things point. that make the organisation look bad. And let's face it, the organisation should be writing this guy in immediately. So, <laughs> yes, I think if the if it was working correctly, then yes, he wouldn't have have been. Well, I think part of the problem, or at least it came across in the films, that it's a very niche area. Uh, it takes a lot of training, um, and you, you because of that, you you can't just uh, shunt someone out of it that easily, um, unless they're actively putting lives at risk, and that's not so easy to to prove if he's getting results. And he. Mm. Um, I mean, As he I'm, says, I'm sure the principle would be a larger squad and more radio communications and all the rest of it. Yes, yeah. But at the same time, I'm sure that somebody said, well, shit, we haven't got enough guys. We're just going to send you out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, he gets asked by, uh, I think it's a colonel or a major, um, and how what, how do you diffuse these? What's the best way to diffuse a bomb? And his answer is, uh, the way you don't die, sir. <laughs> Which, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's... Um, yeah. So I do. Uh, yes, I think you're right. There may be that kind of reaction to it. I don't know if they were there and we won't. But uh, to me, it felt it felt to me like humans reacting in a way I recognised in a human way to a difficult situation. And that's really all I can ask of a film. And, it, and it, hmm. to be honest, if if that isn't happening, there's got to be a good reason for it for me to then continue enjoying the film. I think. Yeah, I, I would. I think. think probably finished talking about the film qua film yes yes uh, i'd just like to drop drop in quickly a mention of a a film from the future as far as this one is concerned that we probably aren't going to be watching uh which is zero dark 30 which is in fact the next film yes. that i made uh, yes about and that is about i believe the hunt for osama bin laden yeah and in in, in a slightly weird way because it was it was going to be a film about the futility of the hunt for osama bin laden and how much damage was being done in the process and then they then they caught and killed him, and it had to be changed. And I I think it ends up a bit triumphalist for my taste. Well, that I, I yeah, I suppose I haven't watched it because I I think some of the criticisms at it uh, at that film uh, were that it sort of glorified torture and that you can rely on the results you get through torture, or that there was um, any point in doing it at all. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's interesting to maybe the whole film, the whole point of the film would be there isn't any point. Don't do it. Um, but they couldn't do that because yeah. it works. Um, I and... mean, we don't know what the original film would have looked like. So yeah, 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 uh, that's um, true. But, though I, I will say, uh, if you're interested in this, a friend, friend, and occasional guest of the show, Marianne Johansson, uh, was on the Spy Hards podcast talking about this uh, early in 2022, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay. Lovely. Well, that will be well worth listening to because she always elevates our podcast <laughs> beyond the, beyond this level of um, uh, that we have. Um, was um, 
uh, God, I forgot. Now you said Zero Dark Thirty. Um, I forgot the name of the Hurt Locker temporarily, but um, <laughs> was the Hurt Locker a masterpiece for you, Roger? Yes. I mean, okay, yeah. given that there is a step above that, which is a film perfect in every respect, and it isn't, <laughs> yes. I, I have not yet seen a film perfect in every respect, but if, if I if I used that as my standard, I would never call anything a masterpiece. So, yes. I, yes. I can accept its problems, but, yeah, it works. It works. Yeah, I think we've had films with fewer problems that I've still called masterpieces. I, uh, I stand by it's the best war film we've watched on Ribbon of Memes, um... Or it's certainly, well, all I can say is the one I enjoyed the most. Um, I liked the characters. Um, I liked the, it didn't even need that much story. It was just, it was a very basic story, really. It was just, let's get through this tour of duty, which I suppose is the same as Platoon, really. <laughs> um, all right. I, I, it, I yes. might argue it against us both, but. Ooh, that's a good point. Um, I think on sheer which one I enjoyed more. Probably this one, but I have to say that's pretty close. But we did call Death Vote a masterpiece too. But um, yeah, that's I'd forgotten about Death Vote, but uh, all right, yeah, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll stick with this and say yes, it was a masterpiece for me too. Not not in the sense that it was incredibly original in a lot of ways, though it did. It had our first showing of a of a soldier who enjoyed war. In a realistic way, not in a this guy's a psycho way. Um, well, I, I uh, think it's you know everybody knows that war is not the way it is on the on the news. Yeah, and this is saying yeah, this is actually true. Um, here, here, here are some articles by a guy who was who was there. Um, here, here is a film based on those articles. It may not be actually realistic. And it's certainly not the way people would like it to be, but it's it's at least correlated with the way it is. Yes, yeah, it feels like closer to that than to anything Hollywood uh, has done generally. Perfect. Well, good job, Catherine so, Bigelow. As far as the as far as the year in film, I think I think it because of the whole two thousand eight two thousand nine thing, and we're gonna we're gonna cheat on that a bit with our next film as well. I think we probably mentioned <laughs> okay, both, yeah. both both years. Yes, so, right, 2008, uh, the big winner at the Oscars is Slumdog Millionaire. Which gets uh, Best Picture, okay. Best Director, Adapted Screenplay, and Five of the Minors. So. I have seen it. I've got very little memory of it, to be honest. I remember being, funnily enough, not being as impressed as I should have been given all the hype. But yeah, I remember it coming out, and I remember it being heavily promoted. And then I remember thinking Danny Boyle and. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's all not, right. not so enthusiastic. Uh, so let's see what else. Uh, milk, the Harvey Milk uh, biodrama. Oh I guess. yeah, uh, with them um, Sean Penn. Sean, isn't it? Yeah, Sean Penn got the actor for that, and it got original screenplay. Uh, Kate Winslet, actress in The Reader. Uh, Heath Ledger got supporting actor, mostly by dying, I suspect. I mean, it's not a bad performance <laughs> in The Dark Knight, but there were others. Yeah, yeah, um, fair point. And Penelope Cruz uh, in Vicky Cristina Barcelona got supporting actress. Oh, I'd like to see that. But, and uh, I think none of those ended up in the in the top ten. Oh, okay. Hopefully, this the top ten got marginally better last time we did it. I think there are at least some non-series films here. Hey, uh, but this Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian was that the last one they did? I can't remember. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Wally. Oh, that is very good. I like Wally. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Iron Man, the first one, which I what is one of the few modern superhero films I have seen, and yeah, yeah, I, I'm not enthused about superhero storytelling in general, but that one worked for me. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Quantum of Solace, yet another James Bond. You uh, just can't kill him. Well, apparently, uh, spoilers. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> uh, number six was Madagascar Two. Yes, seen that a few times. <laughs> uh, number five, Mamma Mia, which, to be fair, I think was not intended to be part of a series, but they did a sequel more recently. Oh, I've seen that. It is okay, and oh my god, Pierce Brosnan cannot sing. Goodness <laughs> <me>. <laughs> He's surrounded by people that can, so I suppose it works out all right. Uh, see, number four, Hancock. Uh, Will Smith is a alcoholic, reckless superhero. Yeah, I see, you'd think I'd like to watch that, but I hate, I haven't, I'm not really interested in it. We're at number three, Kung Fu Panda, which I, I've heard good things about. I have, weirdly enough, I haven't seen that one. 
Uh, number two, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I have not heard good things about. Uh, you, be- I... you belong in a museum, Harrison. <laughs> well, let's see what happens next year when the next one comes out. Twelve, fifty, fifteen years after he looked too old to be in the last one. Yeah, I can't help remember James Bond in uh, Rog- Roger Moore's last film, uh, View uh... to a Kill. View to a kill, yeah. When he he realised what what while snogging the lead actress that he had actually snogged her mother back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> what are the reasons he thought maybe he was outlasting the? Yeah, uh, but at, at at number one, uh, the Dark Knight made lots and lots and lots of money, and I have not seen it because I, uh, I, I feel that Batman has kind of been done. Yeah, it's been done, and it's still being done. It's been. There's been two or three more incarnations of Batman since then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well. well uh, I'm, I'm told the recent one actually says something new, so fair enough. Oh, yeah, the the one is... The recent one's supposed to be basically a film noir, which uh, does pique my interest, um, but not enough to actually watch it. So, moving on to th- 2009, uh, The Hurt Locker gets Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and three more. Uh, All right, fair enough. It's the first well. female director to win... A best director, and I think best picture as well. Goodness so, me! Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem right, but it's deserved here. It should have happened earlier. Uh, it, it, it is not in the in the top ten box office. Uh, yeah, I was a bit surprised at that, but as you say, it was fifteen million uh, cost, and it made like fifty million, or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas the tops are in the in the hundreds of millions. We're into uh, the billions now, aren't we? Yeah, so, let's see. Uh, Jeff Bridges got Best Actor for Crazy Heart, which got one more. Don't know that at all. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sure I'm familiar with this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like Jeff Bridges, um, but uh, it doesn't ring any bells whatsoever. Probably a Western of some kind, by the sounds of it. Uh, hang on a sec. I, I'm going to put in a pause here, because I think we actually ought to... Wikipedia has it by by the year, so Oh, he's a country music star. Sets to rebuild his life after broken marriages. No no memory of that. Uh, right, here we go. So uh Jeff Bridges got best actor for Crazy Heart. Uh, Right, drama, uh, Dana, country music singer, songwriter. Uh, he looks quite quite like Chris Christopherson on the poster. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Well, the harder the life, the sweeter the song. Uh, okay, all right. There best actress, um, Sandra Bullock for The Blind Side, which is basically sports drama, uh, rags to riches, so on. Okay. I got very little I, memory of any of these. Possi- possibly because I have essentially no interest in sports, I find all sports <laughs> dramas look the same to me. They they all feel very formulaic. That's probably not true, and you could probably say that about a lot of other genre things. Yeah, too. I mean, some somebody who didn't know science fiction might well feel the same way about a selection yes. of science fiction films. That's a fair point. Uh, supporting actor Christoph Waltz uh, for Colonel Lander in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's a good film. I know it's. <laughs> I like that film, and he's great in it. Yes, so. I, I haven't seen it because Tarantino. But if I think if I try not to think of it as a war film, uh, it, uh, it, it there's a clue. It's it, it's set. It's basically a fairy tale. It starts with Once Upon a Time in Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's a clue to the kind of thing you're watching. And supporting actress and adapted screenplay uh, went to. Uh, precious uh, Monique as as the horrible abusive mother. Uh, uh, yes. th- th- this is basically um, urban urban poverty drama. Yes, I... it, it may well be very good. Many people liked it. It is yeah. not at all my sort of thing. I think that's probably yeah where I would be too. And as for the box office, well, we can see a trend starting here because number ten is the Hangover. So men behaving badly became a thing after that. Yeah. It's just I, not, the hangover not a thing was that okay, but um, it wasn't that great. And then they got equal opportunity, and now there's women behaving badly as well. Yay! Oh, God. <laughs> and just in case you felt too cheerful about that, number nine, Angels and Demons. Oh, flipping heck. Did they make <laughs> another one? I didn't know. Right, okay. That was probably the last one, wasn't it? 
<laughs> I think so. It'd be mulleted Tom Hanks acting out Dan Brown's words. What what a wonderful experience that would be. <laughs> uh, Tom Hanks, to be fair, is, is pretty good. But... I do, yeah, I don't mean to be mean on Tom Hanks, but I feel like when people don't like Tom Hanks, this is the kind of thing I think of when... Mm. And of course he did do Bases and Monsters. I'll forgive him for that. He was young and inexperienced. Um, <laughs> he's still good in it. It's just an awful piece of crap. <laughs> uh, number eight, uh, Sherlock Holmes, the Guy Ritchie one. Which, That's quite good. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I don't, I don't think it's brilliant, but no. it's, it's fun. And it's I, fun. I, I would rather see something that says, okay, we've, we've got this um, IP that we've got to work with. Let's have some fun with it than let us make it absolutely dead straight the way it was made last time. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah but it doesn't completely trash it. It's a fun take. Yeah, I agree. Uh, number seven, The Twilight Saga, New Moon. Apparently the first one didn't make the top ten, but this one certainly did. Okay, not not really my... <laughs> I'm not really the audience for that one. Well, yes, you, you're, 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 you're not a member of the LDS. <laughs> uh, number six, Up. Uh, oh, I love Up. That's an amazing film. Def- definitely on my list of uh, things to watch. That, yeah, uh, that is a really good film. Number five, 2012... Yes, the world's being destroyed, but will the little girl learn, learn to not to bedwet? Or was it the little boy? I can't remember. <laughs> Is that the one that the Mayan calendar said the world ended in mm-hmm. 2012? Except it never did, but they made a film about it anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, I, okay. actually, Shadowrun got this right. Shadowrun pointed out that it was the end of a cycle. Yeah, yeah, um, not the end. Yeah. Uh, number four, think, thinking of um, big, big stupid films, uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oh my goodness! All right, Michael Bay. Okay. Yeah, can you make right. it louder? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, number three, I said Dawn of the Dinosaurs, uh, which is the third uh, in that yeah. series. I, I can't. They, I may have seen that one. They've all blended in. <laughs> and talking of which, uh, Harry Potter six, The Half Blood Prince. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, I was too old for it, and um, I, yeah. <laughs> But but at number one, a film which they obviously can't possibly ever make a sequel to because it was just so different from everything else, Avatar. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's um, there's only I think there's only four more to come. So I thought it was five that he's announced. It may be five. You're right. I think I think I heard it was three and then more and then. Anyway, I, I remember when James Cam- Cam- uh, Cameron was good. When, yeah. when he was, you know, it's a new James Cameron film. That is that alone is enough to make me interested. And oh, then did you did ever Titanic. see Avatar? Sorry? Did you see Avatar? No. No, no. It's, uh, it's like a crap version of it. I, uh, for someone who's great at stories and characterization, I just, oh, it's so over the top with its emotions and so. Well, that, basic that's the and... thing. It struck me that what Cameron has learned to do is pull on the emotion strings really yeah. effectively. Yeah, but he just, he goes too much for it there, to the expense of plot or character. The villain, it's so black and white, it's just, oh dear me. Dear me. Very pretty, I suppose, if you like that sort of thing. The other thing, to be fair, is at this point I was mostly watching films at home. And yeah. they, they made a big thing of, you you mustn't see this at home, you must see it in the original 3D, so I just didn't see it right, at home. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I did see it in the cinema, and it it is impressive but it's like all gimmicks really that that fades very quickly mm, it, it did start off a brief boob of 3d films um yeah. most of which did not have the budget to do it right or the directors who realized hang on a minute this actually needs a whole different visual grammar in order to work uh, yeah and so yeah that, i mean you there are still films that get presented in 3d but yeah they're, they're not I, d- I don't Usually know. Like, use here is the scene where you put your 3D glasses on. Oh no, I, th- I think they're, they're the full thing, but I, I, I don't know anybody who's a fan of them except for very specific things. Well, no, they're not. You wear them for the whole thing, but still, you can tell this is the scene. I'm pointing Harry Potter. I'm pointing my wand at the screen now. Um, but also, I like wearing sunglasses. So it's, it's if you do, if you go for the modern trend of making films very dark visually. It's really flipping hard to see what's going mm. on sometimes. Uh, there's actually a trick to that. Um, you are supposed to turn up the brightness of the projector because you're effectively getting half as light, half as much light into the eye. 
Okay. But yeah. a, a, a lot of cinemas either don't don't realize this, want to preserve their projector bulb life by running it at lower power, yeah. or have the one guy who is allowed to unlock the holy DRM locked projector, and he's not <laughs> on site when they change film. That so. might explain why I've had a lot of very murky. But yeah, well, if, not if, a lot. If you are seeing three D films and they they are looking dark, uh, that that is a, that is a common reason that it's it's not as intended. Well, that's that, that just makes me feel more annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. there we are then. That's two thousand and eight and two thousand and nine um, uh, in film. You know, this doesn't have to be a bad time in your life. Going to war is a once in a lifetime experience. It could be fun. <laughs> 